It's Flat Out RC time. Welcome back. We are here talking all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis, and drones. My name's Andrew Sill, coming to you from the land down under lockdown, Melbourne, Australia. It's a recurring theme every week. And I don't know whether any of you around the world that might be listening to this have been subjected to long lockdowns, but here where I live, we're on the cusp of being the world record holders of being in a COVID lockdown more than anywhere else in the world. Well, that means we can't get out flying, uh, which is a bit disappointing, but it's good to see that a lot of my hobby friends are out in their sheds building model aeroplanes. Some are building them, some are butchering them. But anyway, they're out there enjoying their hobby. Well, the podcast keeps on rolling on, and look, before I forget, if you're here for the first time, welcome, and don't forget to press that subscribe button, whether you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, whatever your platform is, click that button to subscribe so that you can get access to all of these podcasts. You'll never miss out on an edition or an episode, as I like to refer to them as. Well, today we've got a good special guest, uh, a guy that I do a bit of flying with because he's a member of my local club, and his name is Philip Singh. Now, Philip Singh is reasonably well-known in the flying community down here. Uh, one of his signature planes, which we're going to talk about, is a, a big, massive, massive aircraft. Uh, but uh, Philip's been in the hobby scene for a long time, so a really good story to tell and enjoyed my chat with Philip, and I know you will as well. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to our guests, let's take a look at what's been on my mind. In these lockdown times, and uh, we can't get out to the flying fields, and you know the weather hasn't been that great recently down here in uh, where I live. A bit windy, too windy for flying. Good for slope soaring. Can't get to the slope. Our minds turn to building, and. Uh, oh, I've really been researching different models and kits and things like that. Uh, you know, I saw, uh, I was just looking at um, a new business here that uh, Peter Goff has started. It's called Scale Products Australia or something like that. Scale Aero Products Australia, Scale Products Australia. And he's doing some laser cut kits and he's actually developing an Aeroflight Aries glider uh, kit. And um, it's only like 70 bucks. I thought, you know what, I might get one because I've got one here from many, many years ago in the 90s when I built one, I think it was, and I wouldn't mind having another crack at doing it better uh, just for a bit of fun. But I've really been looking at this idea of kit building. And one thing I've realized, the last time I built a kit was, oh, gee, I did start scratch building a plane, which is still not completed, but uh, I probably built, yeah, it would have been the kit, the, the Aries that I built in the 90s. So I haven't touched a, a kit for a long time. But one good thing to see is that if you want to build something nowadays, there are a plethora of companies, little cottage industries that can support you that with uh, plans and also laser cutting. And there's a lot, a lot of different models out there. And I, I, of course, I've been researching the Super Chipmunk. For those that listen to the podcast, know I talk about this Super Chipmunk, Carolina Customs Super Chipmunk. That's what I've got my eye on at the moment. If anyone could pass the word on to Carolina Customs and sent me a sample so that I can review it, that'd be great. But uh, but 
if I want to build a super chipmunk, there's various different uh, plans and uh, laser cutting services that can provide one for me. Decathlons, warbirds are plenty. You name it, you can get one, which is really, really good. And uh, and some of them are, are quite affordable compared to even ARFs, you know, to get the kits and that kind of thing. But the thing that I was really thinking about during this week is how good do we have it at the moment in the hobby? That And, and what I mean by that is, Yes, we can get access to product, but we can also get access to information and knowledge that help us build those products, which we didn't have back when I built my Aeroflot Aries. Not that I needed a lot of assistance because they're pretty basic kind of kit, but there wasn't the internet. There were no forums. We didn't have mobile phones. You know, uh, Nobody could send me a photo to, to show me what they did on their model and that kind of thing. When it comes to researching components and all that kind of stuff, if you wanted to learn how to cover a model aeroplane, it just didn't exist. And now we can just go to YouTube and we can see 101 different videos on how to cover your model with shrink wrap or if you want to fiberglass it or paint it or you name it, even down to painting foamies and that kind of thing, you can find a video where someone's teaching teaching you how to do it. So a big shout out to all those people that are producing build videos and uh, things like that. You know, at Rami RC, uh, a lot of people say to me, can we get Rami onto the uh, onto the podcast? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Now Rami's, I'd like to, I've asked him, but he says he's too busy all the time uh, because he's too busy building his airliner style uh, models. And, uh, but you know, he, he's been, to shoot those videos, it's not easy. I mean, I'm in video production myself, and you know, as Martin Pickering said to me once, that when he does some of his videos, which are always really good, his build videos, he actually gets two kits. He builds one first to understand what he needs to build so that he can shoot a video really well uh, and not waste time. So it, it's a really, really big commitment. So you should support these guys by uh, subscribing to their channels and watching their content because. Uh, they can monetize their YouTube channels. Subscribe to the Flat Out RC YouTube channel. We'd like to boost the numbers there, see if we can monetize that account. Uh, but um, yes, it's really good that we've got a lot of that access to, to information, including things like this podcast that uh, you'll see that um, you know I've got guests lined up that I've already done interviews with that are, are really good builders, and I ask them questions about um, you know glues that they use and things like that, that we can share that knowledge. And of course... If you're a member of a flying club, there's plenty of good builders around that you can always ask. So we can pass the information on, uh, which is a, which is a good part of it. So even though I'm locked down, I'm pretty thankful for the for the position that we're all in and that I'm in at the moment, where we're living, we're breathing, we're healthy, and we can play with toys called model aeroplanes and build them as well. Plenty of choice still at the moment. So make the most of it. Get out there. Go and grab a kit. Put it together. Guest time, my favourite part of the podcast, because sometimes I get sick of listening to my own voice. And I hope you don't have that same sentiment because then you won't be listening to this podcast. But anyway, uh, Philip Singh, as I mentioned earlier, is joining us. And Philip is is a great guy, good guy to see down at the field and have a bit of fun with. Uh, Philip, uh, as you'll hear, has been in the hobby for, for a long time. His father got him into it. But uh, I know him as a guy with some beautiful models, uh, a lot of large stuff, diverse range of models as well. Uh, so we'll cover a bit of that. But, uh, yeah, one of those guys that started at a young age and has, has sort of kept it up and uh, kept on progressing. So good to see. So here is my chat with the one and only Philip Singh. 
I managed to con a fellow club member into coming onto the Flat Out RC podcast. Philip Singh, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, seems seem to downgrade with the other people you've used recently, but uh, sure. <laughs> well, I always say you can have the big names and then you can have just the also rounds and you and I are just the also rounds. But we've all got a story to tell and everybody's story is is interesting because, uh, you know, it's their story and so that's why I wanted you on. But y- you are known amongst especially the Victorian flying scene and we'll, we'll get more into that later as to why I think you're uh, known. But where did your journey in aeromodelling begin? Yeah, look, like like most people, I was heavily influenced by my my dad. Um, he, and I'll, I'll tell you a bit of the background on him, um, obviously he passed away in... 2016, 2017. Um, but he came to, he's always had a passion for aeromodeling and it was always big on plastic kicks, like the Ravel, the Hasegawa, that's that sort of stuff. And um, obviously, when I was born, he just bled into me aviation. Like anything we were doing was, uh, well, I tell you, it was summer. Summer was always aviation, winter was all about football. Um, they were the two things that we really did. And um, I'd probably say I remember my first, one of my first experiences was mid eighties uh, would have been, he was the president of a, of a field at the time called the aces. And, you know, he loved being on committees. He didn't fly great, poor guy, but um, he brought me out to the field and um, I sat down and I didn't move while he was out there for eight odd hours, came back and I was burnt down one side of my body. Um, just just staring at planes all day and that was it from then then on I was hooked so uh he went about and said all right how about we get a trainer and he was flying one at the minute a Carl Goldberg um Eagle Eagle 50 Eagle at 50 and he said why don't you come and have a go and I said all right I learned the basic basic commands by holding a radio and so he gave it to me he goes do a loop so I yanked back on the elevator as hard as I could and that was real. And he had full throttle in it. Didn't look great. And he goes, look, you don't want to do it that hard, but if you want to try again, come back and do it again. So all right, came back, did it again, yanked it really hard again. He goes, look, this isn't, this isn't going well. Maybe that's not, he said, all right, all right, let, let me try one more time and I'll do it slower. So roundabout again, he brought it in, um, but you know, high, Yanked on the elevator and it's folded the wings. Um, <laughs> Good start. Right, right at the top of the loop and uh, drove itself into the ground um, like a missile. And um, that was at the time the only sort of trainer he would have said he had going. Um, at the time, he obviously his other favourite model at the time was a, was a Sig Cougar that he used to fly all the time, and he had a Chaos too. But um, it said decided that uh, I needed a plane to fly, so uh, it was. Um, Oh, six months later, it was the Lilydale Club auction. Um, and we went there and picked up a SIG Cadet. Oh, yeah, yep, high wing. Um, Cadet Mark II, yeah, so the big, big surfboard wing on it. Like, um, And uh, we went around and I had a uh, – pulled out an old craft radio for it and an OS uh, 40 or 45 FSR. And that became the uh, project um, that we would start to build. But like anything, we get distracted and something that should have been built in, you know, at the time, a couple of months back then, and was blowing out to a year and still not still not anywhere near covering. So um, for one of my birthdays, he took me out to Flightline in Ringwood, where that used to be. 
And uh, we walked in and uh, he identified and it was one of the very first ones that ever came in the country, I think, but it was called a dolphin and it was an ARF model. 25 to 40 size, high wing, flat bottom. Uh, so he just says, I want that. He bought, an, bought me an OS40 FP. And at the time, um, my first, what I would call, you know, a radio above the craft and original photographers he was using, which was a Challenger 720 high tech. And uh, yeah, we whipped that up in, in, in a week, which was fast for an ARF, like just a 40 size, 40 size thing, you know, stockings to fiberglass the wing together. So it was just so simple. Um, and that also motivated us to finish the other one. So that was uh, they're my first two aircraft that I got in and flew regularly. I've still got the uh, still got the um, cadet. It's still airworthy. Just needs a change of batteries, um, but that's still going with its original motor, original covering, and original craft. And the I put it. I reckon. I reckon I put about I would have been would have been a thousand flights on the uh, on the Dolphin um, at the Yarra Valley field like because I remember it went to it went from the original Croydon Aero Club at Dixon's Creek then it went up to Mount Dandenong when they moved to an ultralight strip and then it still was with me when um, I um, just before I gave up flying um, at the current field that the Yarra Valley use in Yarra Glen. Okay, yeah. So what you so, use this? Oh, this was uh this would have been this would have been uh, the loop looping incident of '86, I believe it was <laughs> called, and uh, and probably '88, um, '89 was um was when I was really starting to solo. I remember I did it. I did my first solo. Like I don't know, training just seemed to take longer back then. Kids today can pick it up in an afternoon. I would go out. I'd do four flights of it. You know, just flying it in the air, and then my dad would land, and then. Every time I got back into it, I just was slow on the uptake for some reason at the time, and um, so it took it took a couple of years before I was actually before I actually soloed, which you know it's that's a long time. But again, we weren't going every weekend. We didn't fly through winter and things like that. So yeah, that would have been that would have been late that very late eighties, early nineties. The you mentioned something that nowadays it seems like the kids can pick up model flying a lot quicker. Why do you think that's the case? Because I think it is true, but yeah, um, gaming and you know, like, has, uh, gaming has a bit to do with it. I reckon reflexes, and I reckon it's just a little bit of intellectual maturing, maturing faster. And uh, that's a they get bored easier, so they need to find things that are more challenging. Yeah, it could be right. Like, like uh, I found that um, when I put my son on a simulator. To teach him that the stick movements was easy. It was literally a five-minute exercise, mm. and you know he plays computer games and all that kind of thing. But I wonder whether that sort of helped him helped him along. So the actual act of flying the plane was a lot a lot mm. easier. But yeah, I remember hearing stories that no, it'd be, it'd be years before you could take off and land and fly circuits by yourself. And and I, I also I also think that you know with the disposable hobby, you, people have more courage to try things or to learn faster. Um, yeah, when we when I was learning in the eight, if if I damaged that trainer, that's it. I couldn't fly anything else. We didn't have multiple aircraft. It's not like you could just whiz up to the shop, buy another foamy, and keep going. So, and like yeah, like it was one radio per plane back then as well. So you couldn't bring out five aircraft. If you brought out five aircraft, you've got you had at the time twelve hundred dollars in radios. You you mentioned that you stopped flying. 
When did yeah. so so give me a bit of a time frame. So you would have been what in your teen years when you started flying, or, or younger? Oh uh, yeah, I, I did my first solo when I was when I was I'm pretty. It was, would have been about what about was ten, when I was around ten. So that's like yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah. Um, ninety one. Yeah, and um, we f- flew solid solidly um, then, and we were I wasn't damaging things as often anymore. So flew flew pretty regularly till I was about sixteen, um, going most weekends, and that was. Uh, that was, you know, I, I grew in aircraft. Um, you know, I went from the 40 size trainers to like a, you know, classic dirty birdie I had for a while, um, went through a bit of a pylon stage, but nothing sort of bigger than the old 60 size. You know, I had a dream of like going to a 90 size one because that was huge. Like at the time, we're also going to Shepherd and Mammoth and things like that. And I thought, Back then, two meter wingspan was just huge. That is ginormous. That is like, how how could you ever do that? That's just too big to me, you know. Back then, and now we're getting foamies with two meter wingspan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, we would do that. Said so we did that, you know, most summer, most summer, and into autumn and springs, um, through till about ninety six. Um, but then I probably just started to get too distracted with cars, girls, and alcohol um, when I turned eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> so now, you know what? Well, I've had many guests that have had the similar story, minus the alcohol bit. But mm. but I haven't had one lately that has been lured away because of the the girls and the cars. But so we're back <laughs> at the Flat Out RC yeah. podcast to our, our our usual, which is uh, cars and girls got in the way. How, yeah. how did that pan out for you with the cars and the girls and the alcohol? Uh, cars. <laughs> I I, fi- I figure that that was just a in in the end you look at it no I may as well have just dug a big hole and thrown money <laughs> thrown money in it like you know like you you you're studying working part time jobs just purely just to get the next tank of petrol and you know I went well, I won't go into car history but that's that's for a different podcast mm. but you know me I thought yeah getting a V eight is a great idea no yeah. no it wasn't back then oh no no they, uh, they are <laughs> but they they yeah well they guzzle petrol but they sound good yeah yeah yeah. Um, yes. And so look, it was really strange. Um, look at the, like through that nineties period, my, my dad became president of the old Croydon Aero Club, which became, I said, became Yarra Valley. we still on, still on, um, still in with Lilydale club and things like that. We, we did that stupid thing of where we kept paying memberships every year. Um, my dad would keep going to club meetings and also the scale association. He loved the scale association and the stuff that they would make. So he would go to all these meetings, get life memberships with them, but we'd never fly. <laughs> and yeah. And so I, the amount that we spent on club memberships for, geez, it was about it was somewhere between probably about 16, 18 years. We didn't fly for, oh, really? but yeah, but he kept paying his club memberships, kept going to all the meetings. Um, I kept buying all the like at the time all the mags, you know, like uh, all the all the Australian publications, the American, the uh, the English. So I still like, and because we'd go to the air shows and real aircraft, we still had a genuine love of aviation, but what just wasn't RC flying. We had the stuff there. I'd look at it. I'd say, why don't I get that out and charge the batteries and we'll try and get out there. And then the day that we do it, it probably rain and we just lose interest again. And it became a real slog. Um, for a while, it said bought a house, decided to do up do up a house, do things like that, and just moving on. And eventually, it took until I'd settled down again, and I was geez pushing pushing thirty, maybe just over. And I thought, 
I've got all this stuff. I like all this stuff. Why don't I get back into it? And um, do you remember GWS, Grand Wing Servo? Yeah. They were the company that I'd say brought me back. Like it started off as uh, just oh, I bought like a their Tiger Moth, their, you know, the little, you put the ultralight stuff in. So I bought their Tiger Moth, their Spitfire and oh, I can't even remember what it was now, one other. And, you know, assembled them over a few nights and went out and flew them at the park next to my house. And I thought, you know what? I've still got this. This is all right. <laughs> so you found that you could, you could, after that big break, you still could fly a plane. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, I actually, I didn't say I did no flying. Um, I actually, at the time, I reckon I had real flight version two. And before I went out, I just fired that up. I, I pulled out an old computer because it didn't work on anything current at that point in time and I uh, fired it up and I thought, yep, I've still got this. This might be hard to do. And, uh, Look, I'll be honest, uh, when like these flying these foamies, they felt disposable. At the time, they were like $50 a kit and plus, plus you know, bits and pieces. Most expensive stuff at the time was, I think, the servos, which are about $20 for this ultra micro stuff. So um, it seemed seemed really cheap at the time to me. So, um, and obviously having a full-time job, no, no kids, no real other commitments other than a mortgage, um, probably the best rate of disposable income I ever had. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so got into uh, flying a few of that. And then, you know, I looked around, I thought someone introduced me to Hobby King. And it was like the dollar was a, you know, a dollar to a dollar. It was a parody or even better than parody. And all this stuff just seemed so cheap. So I just went on a, uh, went on a buying fest essentially and brought Durafly, Dynam, Starmat. But I, I reckon we had a, a book like, through through over over the course of a year with flying and you know i bought about 50 foamies oh gee you went i went crazy yeah like and you know every jet like i just thought you know, back back in the day i'd seen i'd seen uh um ic ducted fans and i thought geez that looks so technical and then i heard you know people doing turbines i thought i'm never going to be able to afford one of those that's yeah. that's famous last ridiculous. words yeah. yeah and uh yeah and then I thought, geez, this this EDFs in the back they were flying, we we're flying them on on seven point two volt packs back then. You know, lipos were sort of only just coming in, and I was like, this this is awesome. Like I'm flying a jet that doesn't have a prop on the front. So um, yeah, and I went I went kind of crazy with that. I was flying. I went down to police paddocks because I lived in Roville at the time and uh, started flying with those guys, and they're just in nice nice guys, but no rules, no regulations, kicked off, kicked off when the cricketers show up. And I thought, this isn't, this isn't um, sustainable. Uh, so I thought, what's close by? I, you know, I'm still a member of Yarra Valley, Yarra Valley now, but that's out in Yarra Glen. What's close by where I can go in the evenings and things like that? And uh, VARMS um, popped back into my head. Um, they had done their minor relocation and set up their clean, you know, better facility and the runway's in the same or similar spot, but it just moved a little bit. And so I went out there, had a look and I thought, you know what, I reckon I can join this up again. So, uh, you know, got back into that, pulled out some of the old trainers. And then I thought this electric, this seems like the way to go. And, uh, ended up uh, getting a 30 CC size, uh, Sabach. Uh, which was running 10s, and um, yeah, started flying that around. And then at that same time, or not long after, I also picked up a pattern ship, 
uh, which was, oh, what's it called? The Vanquish, which was also, which ran oh, the yeah. same 10 S batteries. Yep. So, um, this is, yeah, this is, uh, this is early, early mid 2010s. Um, and yeah, John Varms and started getting stuck into, um, into the, into that larger electric side of it. And I was having a good time, but I only having three packs, I'd only get a few flights. And then I thought, well, this is good and all. Um, but what's next? Um, I'm not saying I'm modern with kids that don't come my attention. I love those aircraft, but there was a lot of downtime between charging packs. But, and uh, yeah, I just, well, and that was probably my, like, obviously I had some other aircraft in between, you know, like I said, a lot of electrics, um, bits and pieces, restoring like 40, like modifying um, a Hustler to get my dad back flying a Hustler Mark Mark II. Putting an electric setup in that to try and get him flying and things like that again, but the uh, the one that I would say changed me. Um, I still do have it. I stumbled across a AeroWorks Yak 100cc with a D uh, with a DA 100 in it that was being sold off um, somewhere up in Kilmore, and it seemed affordable at the time. And I went, you know what? I'm going to go that, and I'm going to try getting into gas. And that's uh, that's probably the model that really set set me off in about that was about 2000. And, 14 or 15 that's it that put me on the path that i'm really on now and you, you still fly i've seen you fly that plane yeah like as it, it i i reckon i've put like that's my it's everyone says they've got a sunday hack or a plane that you can fly anywhere anytime any field that's that one like it's uh it had a couple of years off um just pre-covid um when i was flying other things and doing doing other things but then um as I said, I had it. I wanted to uh, move up to aircraft, move up a few aircraft, and uh, that involves selling some off. And so that one had to come come back out of storage and into the rotation. Well, you've you've really got to a point now where you pretty much submitted yourself in aero modelling. That uh, you know you haven't been swayed. You know your footy career is over now, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So you've yeah, really- uh, four shoulder reconstructions um, <laughs> in. Um, sort of ended the footy career, so yeah, it's a lot safer this era modelling generally, unless you cut your fingers yeah. off. But uh, yeah, but generally we're not going to be doing shoulders or knees. Uh, mm. It's very very unlikely. Could happen, but it's still. <laughs> but we are we are classified as a sport, and in a lot of countries actually, era modelling is classified as a sport. I think mm. I think we should make it an Olympic sport. Uh, be, oh, be back back like the uh, the tournament of champions stuff. Oh, that was a yeah. How, how good was that era? That is, uh, that is, that, oh, so that is something that also kept me in, kept me interested in aviation. Like that, that era of aircraft from that, oh, probably the late eighties into the early to mid nineties. Hmm. That was when era modeling, I said, oh, even though I wasn't flying, but that changed for me. That's when they went from, you know, glow to gas and the big stuff. And well, I wonder, I wonder whether it is because oh, I'm a little bit older than you. Um, but uh, you know, no more than ten years difference. I think between you and I. But, but the I have very fond memories of the eighties and following through magazines. I, I didn't have a plane or anything, but I used to read the magazines, Airborne magazine and stuff like that, and some of the American ones and all that. And it just seemed it just seemed bigger and better in a kind of way. And I and. Mm. I don't know whether it's just because we were kids and the way that we viewed things when we were kids versus, say, now. Because, you know, you can turn up to a Shepherd and Mammoth event and just look around and go, this is just phenomenal. Love. Look at how many good mm. – and nothing small anymore. You know, like a, a 60 size plane now, we, we don't even 
have a second look at, really. It's just a <laughs> bit of a fun fits playing a, kind of thing. It's fits a hatchback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about it, uh, you know, how many of us have got trailers mm. uh, you know, and or big wagons or vans or whatever yeah. to carry our, our models to the to the field is just absolutely crazy when you think about it. But yeah, I just wonder whether it was just those those eyes of a child looking at what was going on, especially the American scene and that kind of thing. But yeah, it'd be, I, I, I really don't know whether there were more people participating back then than now. Potentially, yes. But then we've got things like now the, the hobby is a lot more accessible than what it ever was. You know, we mm. have foam models, two point four gig, um, ARFs. All that kind of stuff has just made it easier to be an aero modeler and and have a bigger plane and that kind of thing. Um, you know, it'd be interesting no. just to see. You know, I should should have a chat with the MAAA and see if they can go back at their archives and see what what the membership looked like mid eighties versus now. It'd be uh, yeah, I, I think it has dropped off a bit. But then again, I'd say there's a lot that are un ah that's you know it's too too important. I'm I'm too small fish to worry about that sort of stuff. Um, you did you did remind me of something that I just wanted to uh, quickly mention. Um, when you're talking about reading the magazines of all the old fellas, um, I remember it was uh, would have been again that similar time that I was only just flying, and the, these Lilydale Club auction nights used to be used to be the the biggest and best thing in the world. Like I thought these were amazing. You know, you'd go there and buy everyone secondhand rubbish. Yeah. Um, my 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 dad came home one night after going to that with uh, the American magazine, the Radio Control Modeler. Yep. Do you remember that yeah, one? Yep. Yeah. Um, in in hard binders, so they'd all been bound correctly. And he brought back uh, from 1968, all about all in different binders, all the way up to about 82, 83. Oh, great era. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, that was my reading growing up. Like <laughs> you know, when when they said what what book did you read on the weekend? I, I read this. I read Radio Control Modeler, Volume Volume Four, nineteen sixty eight, from you know it, the monthly volumes. So like yeah, I, that, that was that was what I would go through. And following people at the time, like um, you know Hanno Pretner and Wolfgang Matt, and the stuff that they would do back then. That's uh. I, I, re- I really did like it. I don't I don't really do anything pattern now, but respect to those guys back there. I'm trying to hunt down Hanno Pretna to come on the podcast. Mm, yeah, oh, that would be. I think I may have yeah. sent him a Facebook friendship friend request, but I don't think he's acknowledged me yet. He doesn't know <laughs> yeah. who I am, but uh, no. it's like Kike Somanzini. <laughs> Kike, I've sent you yeah. numerous messages. Can you please just come on? It's not that hard. Yeah. Anyway, no. uh, I, I'm actually trying to track him down through roundabout ways as well since he's not responding to my messages. But come on. Mm. If anybody's listening and knows Kike, tell him that Andrew from Flat Out RC just Facebook friend me and I'll, we've got to do a recording. People want to hear the story. <laughs> Those guys all came out for the craft, craft yes. aerobatic masters, didn't they? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't involved in that era. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, they it was funny. Again... We're talking pre-internet sort of days with that tournament of champions that these guys seemed like superstars in the hobby, didn't they? Some of the, you know, oh, the Chip Hides of the world and um, yeah. that kind of thing. Steve Stryker, Peter Goldsmith. Yeah, big yeah. names. And and now, yeah, we've got a few big names. You know, Andrew Sill's a big name in the hobby now. Um, you know, but, the, <laughs> oh, but huge, 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 huge. <laughs> well, especially at the canteen, he's pretty huge there. Yeah. He does a good job. But the um, but yeah, they were just they were almost like celebrities that we put up on a on a pedestal, and that's sort of been knocked down now. I suppose <laughs> it's so accessible to see people flying with YouTube and things like that. You know, we can see Jace Ducia and that kind of stuff. Um, but we don't have 
Now, that Tournament of Champions era, and I had, you know, Fraser Briggs, I think you've listened to the Fraser Briggs podcast, and Fraser talked about Tournament of Champions, but it was bankrolled by a guy that had millions because he owned a casino yeah. in Vegas and all that kind of thing. And so he he loved aero modelling and he put up the prize money. And we just, I don't, it'd be, it'd be sheer luck if we found someone that wanted to go and put up, you know, $100,000 prize money um, for an event like that. But uh yeah, it's just one of those mm. one of those eras that uh, we do look back fondly. I remember a friend of mine lent me a DVD or something of the Tournament of Champions, and I just watched it, and I thought, this is just great. Yeah. But the funny thing is our models are so much better now for doing aerobatics and stuff. It's just we've got so oh, much so better much. gear. Yeah. And, and we're pushed. Well, people like Jace and uh, Dan Holman and Joe Smith and these kind of guys really pushed, pushed that and exploited what the planes could do. Mm. Yeah, correct. And like if it's an, I can't, I can't fly like them. In full respect, like they, they, the way the control that they have now is just, it's just, it still astonishes me. I sit yeah. back and I go, I, I just, just can't do it. I'll, uh, I'll stick to a uh, more, more my Sunday hacking and. Uh... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with you. I think the, um, you know, it sets a new benchmark for especially younger aero modelers that are into aerobatics. You know, we just look at that. You know, freestyle flying, three D aerobatics scene. Uh, everybody sets a new benchmark. Uh, you know, and and there are people along the way that sort of you know we had Kiko Somanzini, the Godfather of three D. You know, hovering a plane and doing all this kind of stuff <laughs> was was unheard of. But now everybody sees that and then tries to mimic that. And then someone tries to go one better, and we're up to the era era of Jace Ducia that's brought in this whole realm of aggressive flying, which wasn't really a thing or possible to be a thing even probably six years ago because mm. we needed a power to weight ratio, you know, to, to be able to do it and the strength in the airframe and all that kind of stuff, which mm. of course extreme flights building a lot of those models now and, um, you know, brought the weight down a fraction, not too much. I dropped about a kilo power in the motors, the DA120s, big servos, fast servos, as it allows them to do that. Now everybody, all the young kids are looking at Jace going, I want to be like him. And so, Everyone's trying to do rifle rolls, <laughs> and so <laughs> somebody will take that and then go further, and it's just gonna it's gonna keep on progressing, kind of thing, I think. But uh, we're we're past that uh, because it's a very very big time commitment, which I don't think you and I could be bothered with at this point in time. Uh, no, look, um, I've I, I, I ebbs and flows. Like you know, at one stage I'm into uh, I did a did the IMAC trial day just to you know. I wasn't going to enter any comps. I'll, I'll try, I had a few mates that are trying to push me into it, but it's more, I just want to fly better for the stuff that I am flying. And then, uh, and then I look, I really respect also the, uh, the guys that do all the scale and uh, take their stuff to the world champs and things like that. I'm very much of a, I like to, if I've seen a real aircraft do it and I've seen it, I'd like to model it and fly it like I saw. And in, in the early stages of certain planes, I ended up feeling like I was just spectating my own model and not really flying it. And I thought that's a bit dangerous. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, just had to you know, focus and just, just get better and like, like trying to mimic, mimic some of those 3d guys buying a foamy and doing it. It's like, Hey, I can, I can hover laser cruiser and this is easy. If it hits the ground, it bounces. It doesn't matter. I flew it. I did my tail touch, you know, torque rolls, tail touch, Harriers, and I thought, you know what, done, mastered. It's only with a uh, fifty buck foamy. It's not with a uh, three three grand hundred cc. But you know, what? I've done it, mastered. What's next? <laughs> mm. But it's 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 funny. Like 
where do you where do you, if you have to categorize your sort of flying, where would you put it in? You know, uh, you know, are you an aerobatics guy? Are you a scale guy or glider guy? Or you know, yeah, um, it's that, that's 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 one of the the, the hardest things that I bought. Like, there's not a discipline I actually don't really enjoy. Um, I will fly everything and anything there's there's things which i'll fly and say okay i've done it don't need to touch that for a while and i hate to throw for all your listeners that might be gliding's not my favorite oh come on but, but uh for a few years i uh i went and got myself a uh nan models explorer four meter explorer yep um yeah and we set it up with steve steve newey uh motors and all the all the best gear so it was competition capable and uh I had a really good go at it. Um, I enjoyed flying it. It was an amazing model, but I'm, I don't, I actually can't focus to keep flying for half an hour discipline. Like uh, some of the guys that I watched, I watch them just on a weekend that uh, jump off a toe as well in, in scale aero toe, jump off a toe at 800. Next minute they're up at 1200 feet. 10, 15 minutes later, and I've, I've, I've flown three different flights since then. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what I do? Like, I've got an Explorer now as well, which I haven't flown thanks to COVID. But the I like the idea of, like, the um, F5J competition electric launch 10-minute mm. time frame. Yep. So, and, and there's almost three components. There's the launch phase to see... How low you can launch because you lose points if you you know you got to, I think it's a thirty second runtime motor runtime, yeah. but you know if you only run it for ten seconds you'll gain extra points because you launched lower and managed to keep it up high. So you got the launch phase, you got the flying phase and trying to keep the thing up for that that ten minute period, and then you got the landing phase which is you got to do that spot landing. Now mm. I really like that idea of ten minutes because ten minutes I can concentrate half an hour. Like flying, I flew my slope sawer, which is fun. I like flying the slope sawer, but you could fly for hours. And I was by myself and 25 minutes, I packed up and went. But I do like that 10-minute working time kind of competition yeah. where there's a time limit. I'd probably have most timers time is set for 10 minutes on anything i fly to like i probably find my concentration wanes after after that link anyway you and i are um, very similar in that regard nah. yeah. but, but back to that original question i've thought about it a bit longer and i would say um i would lean towards the the scale side i'm a scale guy most things i have are scale um whether or not i fly it in a you know scale like fashion like so i've got civilian aircraft i've got scale aerobatics i've got scale jets so um, that's that's what I that's probably where I'm falling. I reckon <laughs> for now. <laughs> I, I think I, I my observation is yes, you're a scale kind of guy, but you fly a fair bit of aerobatics as well. There's yeah. always a, a well, role in there somewhere. It's a scale aerobatic aircraft. <laughs> yeah, well, even jets. Yeah. Like well, let, let's just look at your hangar. Let's have a you know a bit of an overview of what what you've got in your hanging because I know that you've got plenty of aeroplanes and you've had plenty of aeroplanes, but what's it currently looking like besides a oh, currently 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 I would say for the it's actually the smallest hanger I've ever had, which is great. Um but uh you know it just makes me want more all the time. Um I get 
I get aircraft envy whenever I go out and see like it's it's, it's never 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 jealousy. But if I see someone's got something nice, I just go, you know what? That'd be great to have, wouldn't it? I've got a theory. <laughs> the more you go to the field, the more you buy because you get yeah. motivated. You get all. It's a bit like when you go on a holiday mm. and you come back and you've had a great holiday. And what do you start looking at? Mm. Next holiday and how you can improve it. We need a yeah. bigger caravan now and a bigger yeah. tent and a bigger this. Next time we're going to stay here. And uh, I always say, yeah, just wait a week or so yeah. and let, it, let the and, buzz die down. Yeah. The other stupid thing is I've always got about four, um, if not more, um, AR, ARF or ARFs, aside from the other kits that I want to build, um, sitting in boxes that I've had for years and never built. Yeah, like I yeah. buy them thinking this is a great idea. Yeah. Um, I might start them, something annoys me, um, and I push it away, and then, like, I don't touch it. Like uh, one, an example of one of those is I've got a uh, Tommy Composite Cessna, which I got in well, 2000. You? 2006 the 17? big one yeah the yeah, stevie melkman size i've got the 185 so the tail dragger but oh, yes that okay. size oh, gee. and um That's you know big. i've custom custom prepared it up as the uh as the cessna 180 that served in the raf yeah raaf uh so the possum so yeah and i've got everything there but every time i work on it there's some it's it's actually like it's big, certain parts are impressive. There's a lot of parts which are just rubbish and it annoys me. So every time I do something, it just annoys me. I push it away. It's taken me a day to unpack the boxes that it's all sitting in. So, <laughs> and then I have to just pack it up, put it away, and I don't touch it. Hey, Philip, we've um, got plenty of time with our COVID lockdowns going on. You should finish that because that's a massive – that'd be a big play. Yeah, that was – like I, every year Every year, about uh, – or maybe maybe a couple months early, this, I always start thinking – what about Shepparton this year? The Shepparton yeah. Mammoth that might be its good debut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's been that's been postponed again this year. So, uh, so I've got another, give myself another, another yeah, twelve months to do true. it. That's true. No rush. <laughs> yeah. What else you um, got? As as for flying aircraft at the minute, I've got the. Uh, I said I had that. I've still got that hundred um, AeroWorks one hundred CC Yak fifty four. I'm just trying to picture what else is in there and what I'm flying regularly at the minute. Um, I do have my fifty uh, percent. Hempel Edge 540 yep. in the Pit Borman scheme. I've got a Top RC Voyager. Um, that's with the K260. Yeah, I've got a um, an old ASM, which is the plastic fuselage um, Panther, ready to go with a turbine. Well, that's been flying that flying that a bit. With a, that's just a smaller turbine model. Um, what else have I got? In there, I've recently um, another scale scale modeler is uh, getting who flew with my dad for a long time. Who's uh, unfortunately getting on getting on in the years. Uh, shout out to David Anderson. Uh, I picked up his uh, quarter scale Sopwith Pup okay, with yeah. an OS radial in the front. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So um, and he's built that brilliantly. Have you and, flown um, that or? I, no, I actually picked it up just before just before our lockdown. So oh. I'm just uh, just going through it through the checks with it, and as soon as we can get out, um, it will go out. Like he didn't fly it as much as he wanted to because it used to take him about you know forty minutes to assemble it at the field. I think he said um, because he didn't have the truck. It fits in one in my trailer, so it's, it, it, I'll, I'll walk out, fuel it up, and uh, start it up, and away we go. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I've probably got a bit more like what else? Jeez, I don't even. A uh, um, couple of things ready to ready to fly that I've had going, which is a one six scale F sixteen. I'm currently working on a PC twenty one turboprop that's uh, hopefully Ooh. ready after lockdown. What kit's that? 
it's the JMB. Oh, um, you got one of those. Yeah, built up. I I got that. Uh, when did I get that? I think I got that 2019. Like really, at the end of 2019, and then uh, picked up the turbo prop mid last year, and we just because of the lockdowns that kept happening, I just kept pushing it aside, saying we're never going to get out of this, not going to, not going to really. Go. And then we start to come out, and I start working on it. We go into lockdown again, and yeah. it just sits there. So, look, it, that's that's relatively close. Um, a competent builder would uh, probably knock knock that out in a weekend, but I'm, I tend to be a little bit anal with some of the stuff that I do, trying to get it ha- how I want. And then giving up and just cable tying everything. <laughs> um, it's that. It's that. Yeah. I'm terrible at the wiring phase. You know, cleaning mm. up the wires is just absolutely a nightmare for me. I absolutely, I can't. I can't do a good job at it. It's something like no, a, yeah. I need to. I need to employ someone else to do it for me. But I know if I if I have yeah, if I had more time. I think. I think. Do you find you're in a rush sometimes, and that's why you you might take a shortcut like grabbing the cable ties. I, I find the last the last twenty percent of model assembly happens the night before I want to take it out and fly it. So, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 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 and aside, I said there's a couple of other models in there which are non-console. I've got a got a six scale Spitfire that's uh, that's there. I still I said in my in my garage just sitting. I've got um, for every time I do feel like taking out any any um, old glow powered models, I've got a scanner there. I've got I've got my dad's Sig Cougar. Um, I've still got my uh, still got my Cadet sitting in there. So there's, it's all varied. There's a whole a whole bunch of stuff in there. That's an idea for an event. Bring your old planes out, you know, and you know, yeah. get points for the older the plane, the the better, and that'll get some of the yeah. old stuff off the shelf and back in the air. That'd yeah, be, that'd and, be a good idea. And, and it's like with with my Cadet, it's classic. Like I. I'd, I'd worry about the flight packs in it and the, the radio batteries and so I might just have to pull those out, wire up a quick harness for some disposables because, um, you know, just some double A's just purely because I don't have any NICAD packs anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's a few models there I'll do a bit more of a deep dive in. Starting with, uh, you skimmed over it, the 50% Hempel Edge. Now, I, I reckon it's the biggest aerobatic model plane in the country it is what are the dimensions of this this edge yeah it's uh, so it's half scale um i think it's uh, it's about three three six span three seven span and uh three three two long something like that 3.2 long big, um big i would what's the, what's the motor in that i've got a uh 3w 275cc competition in it so um, it's uh, it, it's equals. There is another one in the country, um, but I don't believe that's airworthy. Um, it did fly before this one. Um, I've read it on the forums. I've spoken to the guy, uh, but I don't think he's touched it in a couple years, at least purely because of his transportation issues with it. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing. You need a, a decent sized trailer, and, and I've seen you fly it a few times. First of all. What's it like owning such a big aeroplane, and then what's that flying experience like? Yeah, um, can, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll go into a little history of how I got it, if that's okay. Yeah, just, no, uh, good just idea. So yeah, um, it stem, it was it said in that two thousand was it fifteen or six? Oh, probably from about two thousand fifteen on. Um, a hero of mine growing up was always Pip Bormann. Um, I, you know, I'd followed him around to air shows. I watched him when he had the yellow edge for 40 before it became the Castrol edge. And, um, you know, obviously he's passing before Avalon a few years earlier. 
I just thought, you know what, I really want a, I really want an Edge 540 done up in the Castrol colors. And I'm just going to go out and find the biggest and best one I can. So I was looking at the uh, pilot ones. I was looking at the, um, I think the PA, Precision Aerobatics had one. And I thought, geez, it's going to be a fair bit of work in recovering one of these. But, and then I started looking at the costs and then uh, someone put me on to Bill Hempel. Um, and I thought, oh, that looks all right. So I started to do investigations about, you know, how much the kit would cost, which actually is being built up. Surprising, I would actually put it for the size of it. It's affordable. But shipping it in and getting all the custom work done was going to cost me a mint. Um, and I was uh, in the emailing Bill, chatting to Bill about certain certain options and certain things. He goes, I've actually, and he actually said to me, I've actually done one before um, about four four years ago. And I went, really? So I started searching the net and uh, found the online video of a guy doing a maiden up at Keylor Club, I think. His name was Jeff Hudson. Didn't contact him, didn't think about it. But uh, within a few days, it actually just showed up on RC Trader. I remember when it came up on RC Trader. And I've I remember the amount that he was asking for it as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, it, apparently it actually was on a, a bit earlier and it ended up being you know, a ridiculous amount than a less ridiculous amount. Um, I, I knew what I was willing to spend, so I, uh, I spoke to him. I made an offer. Um, he was – hopefully it wasn't too offensive. Sorry, Jeff, if it was. Um, and, uh, he just said, look, there's some other people have a think about it. And I said, all right, don't worry about it. Um, I can always go ahead and, uh, buy mine. I'll end up spending more, but doing, doing it over time, it doesn't feel so bad. Like there's $6,000 in, in, uh, in, in motor for it. But if you're not buying that for another year or, or two, it yeah, doesn't feel as bad yeah. when you put, yeah. So, um, but he called me back about uh, a month later and just said, I'm over it. Um, if you can come and get it, this was on a uh, Friday. If you can come get it this weekend, it's yours. Uh, so I, uh, said, all right, I, uh, didn't have a trailer, didn't have a car with a tow bar. So I just scurried around to borrow it all, borrowed a friend's trailer, borrowed my friend's tow car, went up there to pick it up and, uh, it didn't fit in the trailer. <laughs> um, lucky I could just squeeze it in on an angle after taking off the tail, taking off the rudder, taking off the spinner nose and a touch of the, and the cow. And then it would, and one wheel pan to make it fit. Mm. So I did all this. He was probably getting frustrated with yeah, me just yeah. to squeeze it in. But um, yeah, so I did that and uh, took it home and uh, looked at all his records on it. He actually flew it first time, I think in 2012. He did two certification flights and then cleaned it up and it just sat in his garage on display. He never flew it again. So. I just thought that's a that's a that's a bit of a I wanted it I wanted to fly it so um yeah I took it home um had a look at it at the it was loaded up with a power power box and um and spectrum uh, spectrum gear um not not doubting not doubting his work but with something that weighs thirty five kilos I thought I better go over it myself so I went through it piece by piece took it took it pretty much completely apart over the next year and rebuilt it. I reassembled it um, and then went through all the programming with a, like learning Powerbox for the first time and connecting up to my Futaba. And uh, that took me about a year, I reckon, from owning it to deciding that this is going to go. And a week before the Shepherd and Mammoth in 2016, I think it was, um, I, Norm, I spoke, like, it was 
couldn't find a um had to find an inspector to do the because it's the giant model category and there's a lot less of them um i spoke to dave law i think he was actually tied up at the time uh or or away it happens um and norm um norm thompson made himself available and i said look come out to come out to Yarra valley and have a fly and we'll see how we go um and he just said no no i'll come out so took it off and you know it's the first time I got out there and um, so the motor hadn't been running in six odd years or something. It was, it felt like it had no compression. So I'm there spinning a 36 inch prop, but trying to jump out of the way of it because never held anything that big. That's bigger than some of the wingspans I had mm. back in the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, when it gets compression, it's got some kick in it and uh, when it gets fuel, sorry, it gets some kick in it. And, but got it going um, up, it went and at, uh, pretty much flew straight off the bat. Like it was just balanced, right? Flew straight. It's just landing. Landing is not difficult. It's just got to be aware of the size, but in the air, it would probably be the easiest plane to fly that I've had. maybe, maybe second to my yak. But other than that, it is so easy to fly and it makes me look a lot better than what I am. Yeah, well, it's a big plane. <laughs> Do you think it's just yeah. the sheer size that makes it fly? No, really, you know, it's very stable and yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, th- also, I, I just think that you know, like it's sh- sheer size, sheer power. Like it's, it's, it's got enough power for everything. Um, I, I've got a, I've got a range of range of props on it. Um, I've got uh, some. I think they were made for ultralights, but they're carbon props with the. I think it's called an epaulot tip or something, where it's got this little fold back. Oh yeah, it sounds amazing. Um, when I can, like, uh, when I can use those, but I can't use them at club days. So I use them at Shepparton. Um, when I flew it at the Lilydale open day for their, for their anniversary, I put that prop on it. It's, it makes it sound like a real, like when I flew it at the real Lilydale air show, opening the air show a few years ago, when, um, we had, they had models open the air show. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds like a real, real aerobat when, especially on the down, on the down lines, you know, in pit special edge, they get that rip. You know, when the yeah, motors are yeah, ripping, yeah. the props are ripping. It yep. does that, and that's one of my favourite things. However, club days they don't like. No, it. they don't <laughs> like it. But it, it, it's yeah. really an impressive. Like, if anybody wants to see that model, just go to the Flat Out RC Instagram page, and you'll see multiple photos. There's one I recently put up with the smoke bellowing out the back, and uh, you can tell it's it's the it's the Castrol scheme, and it's a big big aeroplane, and it, it it's one of those planes that put smiles on people's faces that we all will stop and want to see this massive plane take to the air. Cause you know, so you said when you bought the plane, you didn't have a trailer. So I suppose then you had to get into getting a trailer that could fit. How, how big's the trailer now? I'm on my third trailer. <laughs> so Come on, um, make your mind up. Yeah, I bought my, I bought my first, I bought a t- first trailer, which was, um, I bought it from a guy that flew hundreds, hundred CC stuff. And I thought, yeah, this will work. It was just a small lightweight one. I thought I'm only going to bring this sort of size out. It'll work. Um, the edge didn't, the, the rudder didn't fit when it was in it. So that one didn't last long. Then I bought another one, which was a converted go-kart trailer, um, that had a lift up roof. Um, it weighed about, I reckon it weighed about four tonne. So that one didn't last long. Um, and the one that I'm on now is actually custom built by, uh, by, geez, I forget his name, but a former VARMS member who um, unfortunately passed. And 
I was more just going to buy it and help on sell it just to, you know, help the family get some money um, after his passing. But it turns out that this trailer actually fits all my needs. So I just thought, you know what, I'll keep it until I can uh, decide what I actually want. And then I'll go see, go see the trailer, trailer professional. But every time I like trailer, my trailer requirements change with every different model I set up. So yeah. that's uh, I'm lucky that I've got a good trailer. It did cost me a pretty penny, but you know I'm fitting currently 200 cc's with stabs on and everything on the bottom, and I can fit about four 30 cc's across ways on the top shelf. And and I went for storage capacity because I call it my storage unit. That's where all my big planes are kept, and uh, yep. that's where they live all the time permanently in the trailer. And uh, so often I'll go to the field and I'll have six planes with me, even though I'm only going to fly two of them. But, hey, it's just worked out easier for me because I don't have the space. Uh, but I always err on the side of caution and go with more space than I need. But when you start getting into turbines and stuff like that, you know what I've found now having a turbine is an aerobatic plane with its sort of undercarriage and everything sits nicely on a trailer. But the uh, often the jets have got retracts and, you know, my Viper jet's got the retracts and the wings, which you remove. So what's it going to sit on? You start thinking, oh, maybe I need to rethink how I lay out my trailer. Um, now, you've got into jets um, and the other – so we talked about the, the big edge, but the Voyager. Now, the Voyager jet that you've got, it's a big jet. It won Best Sport Model, I think, at the, the most recent Wangaratta Jets event. Tell us a bit about that model because that that's that's a pretty plane. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you like it's actually only my third jet, so I'll uh, just a quick jet history. Um, I was always into jets. Um, I'd previously owned a, a couple, but um, and one of them was this uh, Panther that I've got that had uh, was um, owned by Neil Adicott, and he had a uh, Jet Lucky or Jet Joe turbine in it, which was gas start. Um, I never had any of the requirements for it, so I just it just sort of sat there. And my my dad bought that back, in, you know, 2012 at one of the model engines nights, I think, or something like that. So it just sort of sat there. We never actually flew it. We weren't even flying when he bought it. We just never used it. Um, so I just thought I'd like to give this a serious go, this turbine flying. So um, it stumbled across uh, Glen Orchard on selling the uh, the Viper. That's I won't true. use the. Uh, yeah, the Viper Jet. That um, it's 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 had its way with everyone. Um, it's uh, now owned by a fellow club member, but everyone's had a go of this. Um, purely be- look, I would say purely because it's so good that everyone has a go. Um, oh, was it was it was twenty twenty? When did when did we hit COVID? Twenty twenty was that the first year? So it would have been Lee and Gaffer twenty twenty. Um, I went to my first Jet Day. Um, I'd set this, set this, you know, I bought this fiber jet late last, uh, the end of 2019 from Glenn. And I went to the first jet day cause I didn't want to take it to a grass field. Um, nervous as hell. I thought the last, honestly, the last RC rush I had was 2016 with this big edge. Other, everything else I've flown in between has been like, a, oh, I've got this, it'll be fine. Um, and then I thought I've got to have a go. They asked if someone, I said, look, I know it's flown. Anyone else want to have a go? Like, you know, do you want anyone else to fly it? I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. I sort of figure if it can fly, I can fly it. Might not fly it that well, but I'll have a go. And uh, Scott Matthews flew in on a uh, ultralight to the Lee and Gather day just to say good day, and uh, said, "Look, I know you. I'll, I'm, I'm, I can do a jet inspection." So he stood with me while I uh, did the uh, did the cert flight, and I was hooked. 
uh, one flight, first flight on a jet, and I thought, this is this is it. This is what I want to do now. Um, so yeah, and we hit COVID pretty much right after that. Uh, so I just actually unsold that so I could get into some other uns- other stuff. Um, I set up that small a little 80 size jet just to, just to keep me going, just to, you know, keep me busy until, um, this Voyager came into the hangar at the end of 2020. I reckon it was, I reckon I put the order in, put the order in earlier, but didn't said I didn't want it till after Christmas to start working on it. Um, and that came in January, uh, this year and, uh, look, got started. I have a lot of help, um, who did most of the work actually, not just help, um, from Marco Forte. He loves assembling jets and um, I was actually going to take my time and just say, look, give me a year to do this one. He came came along, saw it at my house and just said, all right, I'm taking these parts and uh, going to do them just because he wanted to see it in the air. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, started working on it, um, bought a Tech K260 for it, um, another power box, uh, some more other bits and pieces and uh had it ready again, um, as I do a week, the week before Wangaratta event. Like, <laughs> that's just, I, sorry, I, t- I had it, I had it ready probably for Mangalore. Yeah. Cause um, I saw it Mangalore flying, jets. I think at the club. Yeah. And I know, so that Mang- yeah, had it ready for Mangalore, but, um, it was rained out and I remember it was raining on the Saturday. I thought we might be okay. Oh, sorry, raining on the Saturday. I thought they thought it might be okay for the Sunday flying, and I was playing on it at home. And um, I don't know what I did, but I found a small leak in the tank, uh, a little fiberglass tank. Um, and no, me, you know, hands built like cement. I just started to press and crack all around it, and then I split the internal fuel tank by touching it too much. So I thought, you know, that's out. Turned out they got rained out the next day anyway, so I didn't bother. But I managed, you know, pulled it all out. Um, redid it, re-fiberglassed it, turned into about a three ki- tank weighs about three kilos now because it's got so much fiberglass and mm-hmm. resin around it, but it will not leak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I just sort of sat on it for, that was obviously jet meets are pretty much monthly. Um, and then sort of sat on it until, uh, for about three weeks until a week before the, um, one or two weeks before the Mangalore, the four day jet event. Um, and, uh, I've been speaking to David Law, who'd come over and had a look at it just to make sure, obviously being, uh, over 25 kilos, it needed the extra certification. And, uh, yeah, we just took it out there and I was, again, pretty nervous with just the size and the expense that I'd put into this one, but flew like it's on rails. Um, I'm now onto, I'm probably up to nearly 20 flights on it and I still haven't got around to setting the gyro just because... Not having easy. too much fun yeah yeah it, 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 it doesn't i'm sure it will clean it up and make it fly better but i'm just never i'm always having too much fun as opposed to saying all right let's just sit down and we'll do these pass and we'll turn the gyro on and off yeah. till we get the shakes and things i just want to fly it and have a good time <laughs> yeah well it, it, the wing on that thing is phenomenal you just look mm. at that wing and go gee this thing's going to come in slow How, what was it what is it like to land that that big voyager jet uh, look, I, look, I, I've watched all the videos, so I knew, I knew the, fl- the flaps like barn doors, um, bringing it in. It's like anything else. Uh, I find, I found that, you know, it's one of the ones that all the other jets, you always like to land with a bit of power. This one, you've almost got to take it all the way off, get it all set up. And then if you need it, you feed it back in, um, rather than keeping anything in it because the, the bits, it is, a, it's a big, heavy plane, but it's got a big wing, big flap on it. And, um, 
you know, when you're, when you're flying yourself, I don't really notice it from the side. Um, you know, when you're flying towards yourself, but apparently there's a few people who've said the side that they all think it's going to fall out of the air, but it just keeps going because it can fly so slow. That's the thing. It, it, yeah. it, it is one of those jets that really, really can slow down. Um, you know, we all get a bit paranoid with our jets and bringing them into land and that kind of thing, even with sport jets. But, uh, but that one, yeah, watching it at Wangaratta, it was just looked look like a dream to fly. Yeah. Well, um, at, at Wang, um, we put it in a nose-up attitude, full flap, and uh, blowing into that gale that obviously, you know, only the only the certified jet legends such as yourself and um, myself are fl- I was the best yeah. pilot there on the day. As you yeah. Know. When, when, when everyone else was grounded and didn't want to fly and we actually decided to fly. It wasn't um, that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I had I actually had it going backwards in a slight elevator. So oh, really? it was it was pitched up. It was pitched up so the power was holding it, but the wind was actually pushing it upwards and backwards. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. So look, uh, it, look, if it wasn't if it wasn't so prohibitive because of the size and cost, I would say that that should be everyone's first jet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, that is true. It, it, yeah, it, it just it, it was it was a beautiful model. Mm. Uh, what's your plans with that? Keep on taking it to the jet events. Um, look, that was the thing. It was only ever going to be a jet event, but it works so well at Pakenham that, um, I'll fly it there whenever I can. Um, however, the, actually, I tell you, it is prohibitive because it burns through five litres of flight. Oh, as opposed really? To, five yeah, litres? Yeah. As opposed to using a, uh, 80 or 100, which is, you know, two to three litres. <laughs> so, yeah. So being at a jet event when, when they're held at airports, you've got, you know, easy access mm. to fuel, so you can just go in there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things. I, we, we forget sometimes when we fly these turbines that use a lot of fuel, how much it's actually costing us per flight. Like, I, it, you know, not just in fuel, but in oil as well. Yeah, yeah. And then, now, like um, I said, I've, I've modified, I've put smoke in it now. So um, I went and bought a whole bunch of smoke oil, and that's uh, that'll, that equates to about 10 bucks a flight, 10 bucks a litre. Yeah. That's right. You said that you had the, um, the, uh, the smoke injector. At the rear of the exhaust, didn't you? The exhaust, uh, yeah. In the tube. I'd, but have you moved yeah. it or? Yeah, I've moved it up behind the turbine now. So what the, the part of the reason, like with my with my big edge, um, when I run smoke, uh, I never really bothered with any of the special mixes or anything like that. I just ran diesel. Um, it seems like the cans in that thing get hot enough that diesel always worked well. Um, it's it was white enough for me. It's thick enough. It, it was just fine. So I thought I'd do the same with jets. And I'd read that people have trouble with um, possible, uh, you know, if it sits in the tail, it sits in the pipe, it can catch fire or things like that. So I thought I'd do the right thing and put it at the back. Um, and I tried it with just running diesel at the back and it just put out this, it, it just looked like an, a, a rich nitro, essentially, a, a rich running um, yeah, rich running motor. So I thought that's no good. Um, I did try a bit of smoke oil in it. It was better. It was whiter, but it's still too thin. Um, I want to. I want to look like some of these other guys that fly with smoke that it's thick and bellowy. So I had to move it up behind the turbine. So um, just waiting to get out again where I can try it. It's <sighs> the biggest, fr- most frustrating thing at the moment, isn't mm. it? How many jet events have been cancelled this year? And yeah, you know, I love the Wangaratta Jets event, and I'm really keen to get back and and fly my turbine again, but. Uh, it's all about the opportunities that we have to go, and it just seems like we get these damn lockdowns right at the wrong time, or bad weather no, is yeah. the other one. But um, 
so yeah, that Voyager, you know, is great. So power wise, you know, being a big, big, you've got a big motor in it, but is is that motor enough for it? You know, yeah, oh, vertical, pl- okay. It, yeah, look, look, it's it's if if you see it, it's probably gone quick, but it doesn't look as quick because of the sheer size of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's got a terminal velocity that the motor, you know, can't like that. Even if you put a two hundred in it, um, it would still it would still get to the similar speed. Maybe just take slightly longer to get there. Um. It's. It, I think it's fast enough. Um, it's. Yeah. Look. It's. It is. It is great. It is. It is. I, I use the term best flying aircraft because I've. I seen everything that I say. Mm-hmm. I'll get. I'll give you some bad flying aircraft if you want. Soon. <laughs> um, no. Um, yeah. Look. It's like. Yeah. It is. It's. All these planes. They fly so well. They make. They can make anyone look better than they really are. Like they do for me. <laughs> pattern planes for me. If I fly a pattern plane, I look really good. Oh, Matt, sharp as. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm selling my patent plane, so I'm just going to look like a hack again. But oh well. Yeah. Now the so looking forward. Um, yes. You know, you you're, pre, you're pretty involved in the aero modelling now. If there's you know a decent event going around, you're probably going to be at that event. Do you think you'll be able to continue with that in the next uh, you know into our, into our retirement years, where it'd be you and I sitting at the field talking about the good old days, or? Yeah, um, I'm hopeful. Uh, I have realised after speaking to uh, obviously they're twenty plus years my seniors, but there are people that realise that they can't fly the like in like they couldn't handle my edge the Voyager um, that sort of size stuff. Even hundred cc is probably getting a bit much for them. So they're down in they're like they've done their bigger stuff and now they're getting older. They're all flying smaller stuff. So I sort of figured that I've got to cash in while the reflexes are still good enough. Um, the employment's still there and the eyes haven't let me go that badly yet. Yeah, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's actually a good way of thinking. I literally today was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about this COVID situation and how it's impacted our lives and and I've got this I've got this plan for my life. You know, there's all these things that I want to, you know, experience, you know, and a lot of them is, you know, adventures, activities, that kind of thing. And... There are certain activities that I can do at my age at 47, almost 48, that I won't be able to do in maybe 10 years' time as well or as safely. And so I've been put set behind by two years, uh, and that's disappointing for me that there's I've lost two years of that that time to enjoy myself. And you're right with these model aeroplanes that, you know, we're probably now prime now to, to fly these models. Can we afford them? Well, obviously, if we've paid for them, we can afford them, but, but we can – you know, enjoy these kind of models. And I think that, you know, in 20 years' time, I think my era modeling will probably involve more building, um, you know, some 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 big projects to keep me keep me excited uh, and that kind of thing. And But at the moment, it's just the flying thing is what really gets me more so than the building thing. I really, I couldn't be bothered with building at this present point in yeah. time, but I know that there will come a time when I will be, but just not now because now I've got to get out there and fly. Yeah, and same. Thing. And that's and that's my biggest thing is in I'd like – spend six hours in the in the shed building something or six hours out at the field i would rather go and fly it knowing that um the build you can do when it you can't fly <laughs> if there's time in which you can fly you try and cash in on it and look i i went i said i went through a period um i not having a whinge about it but when it said when my did when my dad did pass um it put 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 me in the in the dumps a little bit. I didn't feel like I loved it as much anymore because we used to always go together. Um, he would always come with me. 
But um, I did find a, uh, a replacement a replacement dad to fill the void in Keith Quinn. Uh, so he's still on trial. He's still on trial. He's yeah, not, I, I don't know. Not fully the certified. Jury's out. But, he's um, certified, but we um, yeah. you know, the jury's out. Yeah, well, I think I'm, it's part of it. You've got to find your, your crowd that um, can keep you motivated. And I think, um, you know, I've moved clubs to where you are and there's a, there's a few of us now that get on. We just click in some way, shape or form. And, you know, as I was saying to her, that some of the young kids at our club that, you know, they stick with the hobby. These guys are going to be mates well into their old age. And when you think about it, that's an amazing thing. You'll have this connection over such a long period of time, you know. And, and it, like, when we went to the Wang Jets event, it wasn't just about flying turbine jets. It was the people that were there going out for dinner, having a chat, enjoying each other's company. That is just and the greatest yeah, thing. And that's why Shepparton has always been one of my favourites, regardless of people saying that, you know, there used to be better models in the 80s or 500 models, now there's only 80. doesn't matter. Shep, Shep, is, Shep is about the experience. Um, and I think that the four-day wang is like that too. I'm sure there's others that I haven't gone to yet, but um, I really, yeah, like, now I'm at the stage where I probably can look at getting away more for the weekend for these for these events. Oh, that as soon I as really we can, as soon as yeah. we can, I'm out there. I'm missing flying events. A couple of reasons: I'm running out of photos from Instagram page because we haven't had <laughs> events for like two years. Thankfully, I've taken thousands of photos, but I'm running out of photos, and I, I just want to get back out there amongst the community again. It's just, it's it's, it's times like these with our lockdowns that really bring that bring that home and. Just talking to that point, you know, what is the part of the hobby that keeps you coming back? Uh, I would look again. I'm a true aviation buff, so if it's got aircraft, I'll I'll watch it. I'll go do it. Um, it's, I probably should have mentioned like that part of that part of also that period of where I stopped flying, um, which was what would be my early mid twenties, that sort of era. Um, it's because I actually went and got my pilot's license. Oh, did you really? You know, I decided, I didn't yeah. Know that. Yeah. So I went and, uh, I went and just got my PPL, nothing, nothing special. It was just a, something I wanted to do just to say, look, I, I know I can do this. I want to do this. So, um, you know, I, I didn't have, I wanted to do it as a career, but I didn't want to put myself in 150 grand debt when I was 18. I was just too scared to, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I did that. And, uh, that was just uh, just a challenge to myself. Obviously, um, I've fallen a little bit out of currency, but can get that back when I want, which I really want to do. Um, my big, I said, my big thing is that I love going and seeing seeing an aircraft, and then saying, you know what, I want a model of that. Uh, some examples that I've had in the past are uh, went to went on a trip to um, England, went to the RF Museum in Collendale in London. And when we were there, when I was there, um, they were doing ma maintenance work on the Lysander, which used to sit next to the short Sunderland there. And um, they were just in, in it, they were in it walking around at the cockpit, cleaning it. And I'm just standing there and I'm looking like a creep. I'm just sitting there staring at them, taking photos. And uh, the two guys, like, I'd been there for about 20 minutes, maybe longer. And like, they finally just caved and just said, do you want to come up and take a photo up here? And like, cause they're on a scissor lift. And I'm like, can I? Yeah. And then, so they took me up and then um, I'm standing on the edge and I'm taking photos of the cockpit and they go, do you want to get in? And I'm like, can I? <laughs> um, and they said, yeah, just don't take any photos when you're in here. 
um, if you tell people, we can say it never happened. Yeah. Um, but don't take any photos and put it on, you know, put it on Insta and stuff. So um, I got to sit in it. And uh, after doing that, um, I just thought, wow, this is amazing. So um, I came back and uh, put in an order for a Seagull Lysander and the Sato radial for it and flew that for a while. Um, another one, like, another similar story with that was a few years earlier, actually. Um, I'd actually had a good look at the, uh, the Lancaster that was at the, um, at another museum in England, been there a few times. Um, and so, um, came back and set up an AS, um, bought an ASM Lancaster and flew that. Um, that was in my big electric time when I was flying everything electric. That was one of the ones that I had in there. Uh, more recently, um, when we flew at the Lilydale Air Show um, to open it um, for their, the real air show, not the RC air show, um, there was a uh, aerobatic pilot there called Paul Andronicu yeah. who was setting up his brand new, um, he didn't want to push it out in the rain when it started to rain, his brand new extra 330 SC. Um, you know, this is 700 plus grand US and he's got a brand new one sitting there. Um, I saw it. Loved it straight away and uh, got straight on the phone, ordered a pilot extra 330 SC and um, got the custom scheme done and bought the sticky kit for it and modeled it up to look exactly like his. Oh, really? Yeah, I, fl I flew that for a couple of years and um, when was it probably earlier this year, I just decided that um, you know, I want to focus on some other stuff. So I stripped that and now it's hanging in his living room. Oh, okay. And so, here's your living room. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so cool. yeah, I, I I sent it back to him. So um, so he could yeah, so he could have it, and it's just a just a model of his, and he thinks it's he thinks it's amazing just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. It's, it's funny that that concept of just having a plane to look at. Yeah. You know, uh, I like that. I just need the wife won't let me hang model airplanes on the walls. Oh no, I'm, I'm abandoned. They all stink now, either like you know kerosene or gas. So. <laughs> Yeah, like that. Yeah, going to an airport and smelling, you know, burnt Jet A one. That's 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 one of my favourite smells. I wish if you could make a cologne of that, I'd wear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> now, do you have a bucket list model? Oh, I've got many. Um, uh, look, I don't know. Where, where where do you start? Like, um, super chipmunk. Is, uh, well, uh, I tell you, I need to talk to you about a super chipmunk because I know one that would actually be perfect for you, and it's in stock. So uh, that's another conversation. Okay, well, <laughs> off air, we need to have a chat about this, all right? But it's got to be big. I don't want a small one. Uh, 30, 30, 35 cc? Uh, maybe. Oh, we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, bucket list models. Uh, look, I'm a huge fan of um, 60s-era jets. I love, I love modern stuff too, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm a big fan of the 60s-era. So I've, I've said I've got a Hawker Hunter. Um, but you know, I'd love to have a Meteor, a Sabre, um, Canberra Bomber, you know, all those, all those sorts. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else and anything, anything, um, also RAAF related. So any, like I had to say, look, it's everything on my bucket list is if I've been to an air show, I've seen it, I'd love to model it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good way of going. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. So while we haven't had any air shows, it's been lucky that um, I haven't I haven't splurged on anything ridiculous. But the minute the next Avalon comes around, or as uh, I said, the minute we can travel again, I like go. going overseas for air shows. Well, actually, the Avalon yeah. air show has been postponed now. I think 
yeah, next yeah, it has. year or something like that. But uh, mm. yeah, that, well, I like you mentioned the Sabre. I really mm. like the Sabre Jets. They, they they really look good as a model, and in the air too. They're just um, beautiful looking. There was one of Wang Jets. I think it looked it was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, that no, loves lo, lo, like Sabre. Sabre is one of my favourites. I've always liked that one. Yeah. So you said you've got a number of uh, kits just sitting around. Any worthy of uh, of a mention that uh, you know be built at some oh, point? What? Well, just they're still sitting in a box. Um, I've got a top. I've got a. I've got a fifth scale Mustang. It's just um just sitting that I want to do up as the uh, one that flies out of um, Point Cook. Um, the, the um, VH Bob. No, no, no. The um, oh, what would you call it? it's? I think it's SVA VH SVA, which is the um. AMG sit um, on the side of it. Oh really? They're, they're all doing part of the uh, the the I think it's the hundred squadron I think now, which is um, where a lot of all the old ex service aircraft are going. They're creating that. Oh, but that's I've got a Mustang there. I've got a uh, third scale Cub, which um, I might set up for tow duties. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, I've got a uh, I've got a. I said I've I've had a number of PC nines um, that have been with me and been sold, but now I've got another one, just sitting in a box. Tempted, very tempted with the uh, K30 turboprop that's coming out. Little one. Yeah, that's uh, that that sort of wins me. I've still got a couple of a uh, couple of small EDFs. Um, I've got a what else I've got sitting there? I've got an ASM Hercules. Um, one of those one of those old kits. That'd be cool. Yeah, just sitting there. Um, yeah, look, so many. Plenty to keep you occupied. I'm looking forward to that uh, turboprop running. That'd be a good yeah, one for well, the jet that's, events. That's the, that's, the, that's that's as soon as we get a commitment for a jet day, I'll probably pull my finger out. Like it's a it's it's the one that I've put together once. I've taken it all apart because I wanted to uh, not have raw timber in it, and you know started to paint it up, and then I went to put it back, and something didn't fit right, so. Crack the sads and push it all back on the shelf and nah, sat it there. Get it. Look, we're going to be stuck in lockdown for another month, so keep, get onto it. Make, yeah, get it yeah. ready so we can – because I'd love to see that. I'm really thinking as we're talking about the, the Wang Jets event, the four-day event, I only went for – how many days did you go for last time this year? Uh, I, went, I went for three. I couldn't stay for the Sunday. Yeah. I was two, it was two, two and a half. I left early on the, on the Saturday. Um, just just other commitments threw me out. But yeah. um, like it's like like Shep, like, like Wang – it's going to be a, going to redo my schedules for when they come in. Go up on, go up on the Thursday. Don't leave till the Sunday night. Yeah, I'm thinking that's probably the way to go. I'm getting really yeah. excited now because that was an awesome event. Mm. And you know, based on that sort of stuff, I'd love to look at some of the like you know some of those other fly-ins that they do in you know COVID COVID New South Wales when that opens up. And um, I think there's some there's some reasonable ones that are near the border of um, South Australia and Victoria. I'm just, I'm- There's something that I, I really like about those sort of one category type of events. Now I love love the mm. Shepparton event, that you know, but again, that's giant scale. You know, the focus is giant scale. But when there's a like a jet event or a, a warbird event or something like that, it it you know, if you're into that thing, it's 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 really a special you know that mm. everybody there is like minded. You know, we're all there to fly turbines, you know. Yeah. Um but yeah, and and it could be same with it. like the the scale glider scene, um, you know, drillery and stuff like that. It's just, oh, I love that. Yeah. See, this is the thing. Talking to other people gets me all g'd up and motivated. <laughs> you know, because yeah. when you think about it, it, it's a tedious hobby. 
It really is a tedious. I've got like, like my my older brother. He would never get involved. It's just too much. There's just too many things that need to line up for you to go to the field. Like you've got to charge your batteries, make sure you've got fuel, make sure you've got your oil for your fuel if you're running gases, things like that. You know, you've got to set the plane up when you get there. You've got to pack it up. You've got to clean it up, you know, maintain it. You've got to build it. There's a lot of different facets. That's why we're very uh, inquisitive kind of people. We are modelers and tinkerers, and we, we don't mind making that effort for that that bigger picture. But um, mm. And for me, that bigger picture is, you know, just getting to the field, having a chat, having a fly, Having another chat, going to have a meal together. Oh, I'm getting all that. See, that's what peps me up in these down times of COVID. Oh, gotta get back no, into yeah, it. I'd love to. Like that would that would be one of the greatest things if we could throw together a meet and get something to happen as soon as we can get out. But, oh, uh, I know. And that's that, that, that's what's great about the Wang Jets. That regardless of uh, whenever time it's at Wang, they always seem to do the weekend. So that's it's always mm. a two day event. So even if you only go for one, though, it's you know, if you can try and get up, get up there. I'll say help the local community by staying overnight. Yeah, but then uh, you, you end up at the same hotel as people like you, so it's a bit awkward. But you know, relax. I made I made, <laughs> I made that event. I was the best pilot there. Just have a look at the video. Flat out, RC YouTube channel. You'll see me telling everybody I was the best pilot there. No, I can't wait to get to get back and fly yeah. the jet again. I'm really and that, and I'm really looking forward to getting my glider up in the air. The two sort of thing. I've got a Draco. That you know, have you noticed how many people have bought the E flight? Draco, it's mm. like every man and his dog's got one. And I feel like oh, I'm just joining them. But I've, mine's sitting there and I'll have this 30cc electric that's going to be a rocket ship uh, that's going to be done as well. So I've got plenty yep. to keep me occupied. Then after that, I'm just going to sit and enjoy what I have. Maybe yep. attend and a few then, events, shoot some videos, shoot some, take some photographs and record some podcasts. It's a nice idea, but you'll go to a field, you'll see something no. and you'll say, you know what, I need one of those. No, nah. <laughs> no. Nah. No, okay. There's the long-term plan of the super chipmunk, which you're going to tell me about this other one that's uh, you might know. But uh, but you know, like I love decathlons as well. Mate of mine's got the yeah. Hangar Nine decathlon, which 100 cc that uh, is beautiful plane. But I wouldn't spend the money on it really. At this no, I had one of those. I had one of those a few years ago. Um, again, look, it flew it flew great, but at the time I didn't have the trailer I've got now, and it oh, was just pain. big and annoying and like. Yeah. It have to sit in a perfect certain way. Um, the struts, I didn't like the struts that much on that aircraft, so I'd like to leave them assembled, but I couldn't. The trailer, would once you put the fuselage in, you couldn't put the plane on with the struts going, yeah. so you'd have to undo all the pins, undo the bolts. And I have that problem with um, my 3D Hobby Shop Bigfoot, which is actually, it's, a, it's one of those planes that can pass as a scale plane, but it's fully aerobatic. You can hover the thing. And so that's perfect for me because I'll get bored flying circuits, but it's good for, you know, and it flies really slow. But the damn struts, three screws have to be put in and it's tedious. The uh, the first plane I remember that really annoyed me regularly at the field, which is a shame because it was an amazing plane, was the uh, Edo CJEV Articulate. Yeah. I got one of those when oh, they did first you? came out. Yeah. And I just did the electric setup um, because I was running, said I had the other aircraft that were running all the uh, um, 10S setups. You know, I really enjoyed flying it when it was when it was together, and I'd make sure that I'd fly it as much as I could when I had it there. But then coming out every time, every time I flew that, every time I came home, I lost some of the two or three mil hex bolts that were in it. Yeah, it painful. Like there was, it took it took about twenty to put the wings on and off. I think and that that plane was just a too complex plane. When Edo, yeah. when I talked to Edo about the planes that he did through the Segev Design brand and. And with his brother Jonathan, who you know, he now lives in Australia, a good friend of mine, and 
I uh, I said, what are you thinking? He goes, we want to do something different. And I said, okay, well, that's really different. Well, the humongous, the, the monoplane that came out after it was, and it's called humongous because yeah. the spinner was so big. And I said to him, gee, that's humongous. He goes, good day for a plane. Anyway, um, yeah, the articulate was, you know, even the construction of it was this blend of composite and balsa and blah, 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 and you name it. But um. Yeah, but you know it's funny to say that? I know so many people have got a biplane, you know, fixation at the moment, that they are just wackos and, uh, you know, the pits that Pilot RC came out. They're just, you know, people don't seem to mind them, but personally it's just too complex for me. I, I like this idea of the new generation of Pilot RC, extreme flight, skywing, big aerobatic planes where they've got these, um, you know, quick fix wings where they've got pins <clears> and all that kind of stuff, no more, no more thumb screws and all that kind of stuff. I really, really like that idea because it just gets me flying quicker. You know, plug them in and off you go. Completely. Like, I reckon I'd be frustrated doing 12 rubber bands now on a, on a, on a trainer. <laughs> what like- did you do? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I had the problem that I went back in those days, I'd put too many rubber bands on and end up squashing the wood and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the, it was the, the wings weren't going to come off in a crash. So I was just going to be stuck on there. And <laughs> I, I've still got rubber bands. They all perish and crack and stuff. But I've, I know I've got a bag full of rubber bands still. Um, I remember. I remember. I remember. After they get fuel soaked, you try and powder them just to get just to get to the end of a flying scene <laughs> with the one bag that you had. Yeah. No, oh. no. It's, it's, it's <laughs> the good old days. I'm sounding like good old, old d- men now. Good old days. Yeah. <laughs> now. There's one question that I always finish up on in this podcast. It's my signature move. And, you know, most of you out there that have been listening to this podcast, you know what it is. And if you're playing at home, get ready. If I interview you, get ready for your answer. But uh, what has been your favourite model to date? Uh, I probably answered it um, earlier when we were talking about one of the pl- first planes that got me into into large-scale stuff, which is that uh, AeroWorks Yak. Um. That purely, purely because it's still going and it flies so well. Um, that's probably that's probably the favourite because of how easy it's been and how it flies and how it does everything. Um, there's pl- like it's hard because everything I actually you know that I talk about that I sell, I end up with uh, with seller's remorse. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I sell things. So I'm not like like the Lysander, like the Lancaster. I, I'm sold a. Uh, you know, just like that hanging on to Cathlon. The um, I had the sixty cc Takano. Yeah. Um, I've had you know two meter P forty seven. Um, I've had the two point one meter zero recently. You know, I, I had a uh, Byron Pitts that. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, I've yeah. I've recently sold because it probably it's a display model now. It just wasn't worth getting ready back for flying. Yeah. Um, I had a Byron Husky. I get remorse every time I sell something. And I just have to go by the theory that whatever I get next can be um, can always replace it. There'll always be more models. You know what? Um, You're right, though. There, there is. Yeah. There's always another. So, one. yeah. Correct. And then there's laser cut kits if we don't. Yeah, correct. Well, one. there's uh there's there's one laser cut kit. Well, there's two that are really interesting me at the minute, and uh, one is the uh, by. Um, which is designed by Bylab Design, which is the King Air, which is a quarter scale King oh, Air three hundred and fifty. Really? Yep. And another one, which is what, what, designed what, by. Wait, wait, slow down, because oh. there's a King Air that I've seen at the Top Gun event in the US, which is just absolutely phenomenal, and I think it just looks beautiful as a as a model aircraft. What was the name of the the um the plan or the the designer? 
It's it's it was by um it was by by loud design. By loud, I'm typing it in now. Yeah, so but it um that has been acquired by Hulk RC. Ah, uh, okay. So um Kevin from Hulk, he's the one that's uh, dealing with the uh with the kits on that at the minute. I've got to go and have a look at that. That's a that's a, you know that's nearly a four and a half meter span thing at quarter scale. So uh, that's uh that's one that uh, you know I never thought would be possible. Obviously, mm. Hobby King have just released a tiny a, a tiny little uh, King Air King Air one hundred, I think it is, but uh, that's that's not going to cut it for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I I like the idea of some of these bigger bigger planes. Like with with when it comes to a scale plane, I don't want it to be small. I want it to be big. Yeah. Um, including my super chipmunk. I, I just I think if I'm gonna make if I'm gonna make that effort, they just they just look better when they're bigger. You know, um, got more presence, that kind of thing. So if I'm gonna yeah, if I'm gonna go. Yeah. And it's like like we sort of mentioned earlier. The problem is that I'd like to do it now. I'd like to start it now. I'd like to have it finished in a couple of years at most. So I can actually enjoy it while I'm in the while I've still got the physical and mental attributes to actually enjoy it, as opposed to being, you know, as we don't know how long we can fly for. We don't know what's going to happen. So when I want something, I want it now. Yeah, see, that's our problem. We've got to change that attitude. We can't have it now. <laughs> <laughs> we can try. Yeah. yeah well. Well. Philip, it's been awesome talking to you. Really enjoyed that. Uh, it's good, you know, to to hear the story. You know, you know, we hang out at the club when we're down there together, but you know, we don't regularly say, "Tell me a bit about your life in the hobby" and that kind of stuff. So now I've learned something, and everybody else is going to enjoy that. Uh, and you know, there's plenty of people here in Australia that are in lockdown listening to this podcast and getting lots of messages. So thank you for joining me, Philip Singh, and I can't wait to get out for a fly with you again. Thank you for having me. About to leave. Already packing, come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. Big thank you to Philip Singh for joining me. Enjoyed that chat. Uh, it's funny. Often I'll get people onto the podcast that I that I spend some time with at the flying field, and when I sit down with them. And record this podcast i get to know a lot about them because you know, i don't know about you guys and girls but when you go to a flying field you're not sitting there saying oh how'd you get into the hobby and you know tell me about the models in your hangar and stuff like that it's just general banter that we have and uh so i'm getting to know another side of a lot of the people that i hang around with and philip being one of them and uh tell you what if you live down in australia and especially down the, the southern parts down here in victoria then you've got to see Philip's big edge, that 50% Hempel cub is massive. It's just, it looks like a lot of work to me because it's just so big to just carry it around. But it is a phenomenal plane to see. Uh, it's just it's just massive. It's just such a big plane. Anyway, big thank you, Philip, and keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to seeing that Cessna. I want to see that Cessna that you mentioned uh, being completed. Anyway, uh, Life rolls on. Uh, good news. Plenty of podcasts, uh, episodes lined up. A lot of guests that I've been utilizing my time whilst in lockdown to just keep occupied and, and teeing up interviews. So um, a lot of the interviews I, I record in advance, uh, which is fine because there's no time critical uh, uh, messages out there really for us. We're just having fun with the hobby. 
So there's plenty coming, which is good. Uh, I, I, I haven't touched a model for a few weekends now, but I think next weekend I'm ready to touch a model again that I just want to finish so that's ready once we're let loose. But we've still got a little bit of time to go before I think that will happen. So no mad rush. Big shout out to all those that are sitting in their sheds now, working away, building. Hope you're not too frustrated and hope things are going the right way for you and you haven't glued your fingers together with a bit of CA. But anyway, I'll be back next week and I hope to, to hope you join me again. And don't forget, subscribe to everything. Flat Out RC YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook, and the podcast. Flat Out RC is the place to be. I reckon we're the world's best aero modeling podcast coming out every week. Stay tuned. Plenty more to come.